pads. That'd be great. And then we, Becky's going to come and speak. So, Rachel, would you pray for Becky afterwards? Um, the beginning of this chapter has a for this reason, so I'm just going to read a verse before as well in chapter 2. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in the other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with his power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, Father, I just thank you for Bex. I thank you for the prep and the thought and the time that she's taken over this morning. I pray that you just um, refresh her by your Holy Spirit now. Would you give her um, ears to hear what you're saying and confidence to step where you're leading her, Lord? And we just pray that you'd speak to us as a church. Would you build us up as a church through her words? In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need this? Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, good. Good. I'm well, too. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm Becky, for anyone who doesn't know me. I have been at this church since I was an embryo, and I love it here. I love you guys, and it is a real privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Um, I am going to share, but before I do, um, there's actually a video I would like you to watch. So um, if that can go on now, that'd be really great. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. 
the story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story personally, in our neighborhoods and communities, and in our families. So let's dive in, and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem, where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has... Sorry, we're just fixing the... The video is stuttering. You don't get the full effect unless it... Oh, hello. Oh, if you guys didn't know, in excellent news, completely unrelated, we have a brand new laptop. It deserves a much bigger cheer than that. Should we try again? Anything, or should we just should we just move on? Thanks, Meg. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots no, of people all right, became... never mind. That was going to do most of my work for me, but um, you'll just have to watch that. Do you know what? Everyone later can just Google it. Um, there's... A really excellent series that summarizes many of the books of the Bible. And um, I was just going to borrow the first half of the summary of Ephesians to help fill you in, anyone who hasn't been around the last two weeks, to hear chapters one and two. Um, and also so that I didn't have to do quite so much work on chapter three. But... Um, you're just going to have to pretend that you know loads about Ephesians 3. Thankfully, you have just heard Ephesians 3, so um, that will help. Oh, my percussion section has left, but um, they might rejoin us later. I could, if, I, if I could, I would wrap the entire morning, but um, someone's shaking their head. <laughs> um, so, um, Alison, have we got any, a presentation, or has that gone as well now? It's on its way. Very simply, 
I think Paul is saying one thing, one really simple thing in Ephesians 3. And if you want to listen for this bit, and then you can go home if you like. If that's all you, all you need, here's the one very simple thing I think God is saying. I think, well, I think Paul is saying about God. Paul is saying, God really loves you, and understanding this will change your life. Okay? That's the headline. Pete's off. <laughs> there we go. Oh, hooray, we've got a presentation. Alison, you're doing such a good job. You just keep going. Um, there is another slide. Is it coming? It can just come up behind me at some point. Ooh. There you go. God really loves you, and understanding this will change your life. That's what Paul's saying. And actually, through most of the Bible, that's probably the crux of it. So we could all go home now and have our roast chicken and just have a nap. But I was asked what my reflections were on this passage. Um, And I worked quite hard trying to find some reflections. So now I'm going to make you listen to them. Um, I probably ought to start my 20-minute timer just so that... um, I've had 15 already. I will go home then. Okay. My first reflection on this passage was looking at um, verse 6 in chapter 3, if you want to have a little look at it. Um, This is a bit where Paul is explaining, and he's already done it in chapter 2, and he's going into more detail talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and you can be Jewish, you can be Gentile, and Paul says, good news, everyone can come before Jesus and he loves you all. Um, he goes into a lot more detail than that, but that's really what he's saying. Um, and verse 6 says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Um, and I don't live in Ephesus, and I wasn't there at the time, but I'm guessing they must have had some sort of problem where the Jews thought they were the best and the Gentiles thought they were the best, and everyone kind of judged you as to whether you were Jewish or Gentile. Um, And what Paul is saying is, it doesn't matter. My reflection on this was actually a bit bigger than that, of God doesn't see the labels that we give ourselves or we give one another. Um, I've put some other labels up here as well as those two um, that um, might give some other examples. Now, we like labels as humans, as a society. Having a label helps fit you into a certain spot socially. It... Oh, hello. Um, It helps us understand who we are and where we fit. Um, But often, those labels can do a lot more harm than good. Um, Sometimes they're labels we've chosen. Sometimes they're just a part of where we were born or how we were brought up. And some of them are labels that other people put on us. Um, But we can walk around, kind of categorize, like your Facebook profile into a certain area or a certain type of person. What I think Paul is saying about the Jews and the Gentiles is God doesn't see our labels. Can we go on to the next slide? 
All God sees when he looks at you is Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish, Gentile, male, female, old, young, whatever. All God sees is Christ. And more than that, can you click it again? More than that, God gives us a crown. When we come before God, he says, not only are we all on the same standing, but actually we're all on Jesus' standing. And Jesus is the Prince of Heaven, which makes us royalty. And when we come before God, we come as co-heirs with Christ. We are royalty. I mean, I don't know if you get an actual crown, and I don't know if it looks like that. But verse 12 in this chapter says, we can come with confidence and freedom. That means we can stand before God knowing that he wants us there. And we're not categorized by any of those things that we might have said about ourselves or other people might have said about us. God doesn't see any of that. All God sees is Jesus who saved us. That's it. That was my first reflection. How am I doing for time? So far, so good? Excellent. My second reflection, kind of linked into this, is when we come before God... Um, can you click again? Hopefully a big old heart is going to pop up. Um, when we come before God, we bring our little hearts, ourselves, into God's presence and we meet with God's love. And when it appears... Oh, we'll come to that one in a minute. Spoilers. Um, God's love is a much bigger heart, basically. This is what Paul is saying in this chapter. God's love is massive. Yay, there it is. You may as well just click it again and get the last bit up. Um, God's love is really big. And when we come to him, what God wants with us is an open-hearted relationship or a heart-to-heart relationship. That was one thing that, I mean, we know this, and yet this is what Paul's saying. So if he's saying it, he wants to remind us. When we come to God, we're not hiding anything. We can't hide anything, and he doesn't want us to. And God isn't hiding anything of himself from us. He has his whole heart ready and open to welcome you, to give you a big hug, to give you exactly what it is you need today. Um, That's his promise. That's what he says. Um, He is holding nothing back. And actually, when we come before him in freedom and confidence, we're not holding anything back either. It's a two-way relationship. That is the beauty. That is what Paul is so excited about when he's writing this passage. Um, And there's something really, really beautiful that happens as we bring our hearts into God's heart, into God's big heart. Um, And this is, you may have recognized the next picture that's going to come up. It's from a story, a Christmas story that I really like, um, called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Anybody know that story? Yeah? And there's a little bit in the story where the Grinch has an epiphany, and he realizes that actually he doesn't hate Christmas. Actually, Christmas is a really special time, and his little tiny heart grows and grows and grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger. Um, 
And it's lovely. If you haven't read the story, read it. I know it's August, but you can read it anyway. Um, and I think that's what happens to us. When, we're, when we are before the Father heart of God, when we come to God's big love, our little hearts start to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Um, as we open our hearts to that wide, long, high, deep love that Paul's describing, our capacity to love grows and grows and grows and just keeps on growing. Um, there's this slightly crazy bit in Matthew where Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And the only reason, reason Jesus can say that is because he has experienced the size of God's love. And he knows that it is entirely possible to have the capacity to love your enemies. He knows that because he's been there. And actually, as we spend more and more time in the heart of God, in that heart-to-heart or open-hearted relationship, our capacity to love is totally limitless. Um, I'm just going to... There you go. That's what I think anyway. don't know if you agree, but it's what I'm pretty sure Paul is saying. So... We, like the Grinch, our hearts can grow and grow and grow. I don't know if yours will be green or not, but... um, Great. There's another reflection kind of off the back of these two. And it's about us. Um, God's plan has always been to show who he is through his family. Okay? And right now... Hi, that's us. That's you and that's me. The church. We are God's family. Um, and so, the relationship that God offers us is the same as he wants to show through us. So through our relationships together, he wants to show the same things as he offers us. So he wants us to have relationships without labels. He wants us to be able to love one another without worrying about those labels of how we might categorize ourselves or one another. I imagine, actually, it's probably easier to take the labels off other people than it is to take your own labels off yourself. Um, That's probably, I don't know, somebody on the Sozo team will be able to tell you more about that. But actually, God's family doesn't have labels. And also, God's family... Um, Can we go back a slide? Is that possible? Thanks, Alison. God's family, we should relate open-heartedly together. We should relate to one another heart-to-heart. The way that God opens his heart to us, actually that is the challenge and the beauty of being part of God's family, is as we do that together, we can open our hearts to one another. Um, But as I put in the big old cloud, it's not very easy. 
Um, well, or maybe I'm the only one who finds it not very easy. Um, I'd ask for a show of hands, but possibly that's not very fair. Um, a little while ago, uh, I was in a session with the youth, um, with Sim and Ruth, and Sim asked a question of the youth. He said, what is the thing you find hardest about the church? Um, I, <laughs> when I answered the question, can anyone remember what I said? I don't know how many of them here. Um, <laughs> I said the chairs, because <laughs> the chairs are really uncomfortable. That's what I said. But that's not actually the thing I find hardest about. And I'm not just talking about you guys. I'm talking about the church in as in the world. The thing I find hardest about the church, being totally honest with you guys, is all the other Christians. Sorry, but it's true. Um, And you may have felt like that at certain times, but wise words from possibly one of the wisest people I've ever known, although I didn't realize it at the time, uh, my mum. My mum used to say, people are just people. Deep, I know. Um, and I used to go, yeah, whatever. But I'm learning more and more that a lot of what she told me was very wise, um, including how to use the washing machine um, and a number of other things. But this one in particular, people are just people. And that's why it's not easy to be God's family and to have perfect relationships with everybody with beautiful open-heartedness and this exchange where I love you and you love me and we never get hurt because people are people and sometimes that goes wrong. So Paul prays this prayer at the end of chapter 3 and I think he knows it's not easy too, because the first thing in his prayer, he says, be filled with strength. So I'm guessing he knows you're going to need some. He says, be rooted in love. And probably there's an entire series of sermons just on that one little phrase. Um, And then he says, experience God's love more and more and more and more and more and more. Or in other words, go back to the source. So Paul's looking to strengthen his, this church, us, you and me, so that we can better show everyone what our relationship with God is like. Um, um, I had a thought about, I'm going to, here's my, my visual aid. It's over here. Okay, this is a heart. This isn't my actual heart, because that would be very messy, obviously. Um, So I'm using this one so you can see it. Um, I had a little thought about open-heartedness. I wrote it down, and then I've been mulling this for a while, and this is the bit that keeps coming back, so I think this might be the bit that God really wants you to hear. Um, When we try to be open-hearted with one another... It's like we're carrying our hearts around in our hands. Um, And it's precious cargo. Okay? Um, And actually, as we carry it around, and we live alongside people, and we relate with people open-heartedly, sometimes our hearts can get bumped, they can get squished, they can get squashed, they can get bruised. 
because people are people. Um, and it can hurt. And I, I mean, I had a situation less than two weeks ago where I had my heart bumped and it really hurt. And actually, the temptation is to take my heart and hide it away so that it won't get hurt again because it's horrible to feel hurt. But if I'm hiding my heart away, it's not getting better, it's not getting healed, and it's also not getting any bigger. And actually, it then makes it much harder for me to relate to anybody else because I'm keeping my heart safe right back here. Actually, the only way to heal my heart is to take it back to that big heart in God's love and just to give it to God and say, look, I've got an ouchie. And our father will give us a big hug. He'll say, it's okay. You're going to be all right. He'll heal you. And in his love, actually, your heart will get bigger. Your capacity to to love will grow. Your attitude about that situation where you got bruised in the first place may get completely turned around. And I have to confess, that's what happened to me. I was really quite cross. And I was ready to be done with that friendship. And actually, God challenged me and he said, do you think my heart isn't big enough to sort that one out? I was like, um, well, I know what the right answer is. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and, and the challenge was to go back into that scenario with my heart back out again, still tender, and say, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. And let's keep going. Because actually we're family. And do you know, God's love is so big, so, so big, that there is no situation that he is not big enough to transform. And that is amazing. At the end of this chapter... um, Paul prays this beautiful prayer about the love of God. Um, And I want to pray that over you. I've actually picked um, a different version. I'm going to use the message translation just to use slightly different words. Um, But I want to pray that over you guys. And then um, Rach and the team are going to come. We're going to have a little bit more time to worship. Um, And it may be that something that God has said this morning has touched your heart and you just need to go to the Father. And we're going to have a moment to do that. But as the band come and get themselves sorted, I'm going to read this prayer over you. So Paul says, I ask him, God, that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. 
reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length, plumb the depth, rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. And Father, as we come before you this morning and worship you again, we bring our hearts into your wide, deep, vast, high, enormous love. And we thank you that there is healing. And we praise you that there is refreshing. And we're reminded again that you are the source. We're reminded that you do not see any label upon us as we come before you. And we praise you that you will refresh us and that you will make us new. Thank you, Father. Amen. As we sing, we're going to receive.